0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation.
1: And welcome, folks, to another week of the National Crawford Roundtable, as this week, of course, we are going to... Talk about all the latest regarding coronavirus. You know, there's going to be some day, I'm sure, when we won't be talking about coronavirus. I look forward to that day, but there is so much new information, and uh, it's a very fluid issue. And so, obviously, with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, we dive into it yet again. Gentlemen, uh, episode 2,142 of coronavirus. Uh, am I the only one longing for the day? we, we can? Ask actually get back to talking about something other than coronavirus you're not alone no no we're Uh,
2: all with you we're
1: all in this together yes by the way how how do you i I don't know about you guys what you're hearing from your listeners but i i certainly hear from mine and people that i know that there are people really getting burned out from this and i don't mind admitting even myself i'm like okay i'm really getting coronavirus exhaustion right now now with us the nature of our business we have no choice but to stay absorbed in this uh but it it does i mean neil and and roger and john john let me ask you do you get those moments where it's like oh i am i am really burned out from this i'm fried i just need something fresh and we can't get away from it but i i can understand some
3: listeners going you know what i just need a break and we've even had that comment from some, you know, that, you know, we have, a, as you guys know, a call in talk show. So, yeah, I've even had some people, you know, say that, that, you know, they'd like us to do different topics besides just the virus, which we, you know, which we do. We sprinkle it in. But the reality is it's still the news of the day. So, you know, it it sort of is what it is. And there's, you know, as you said a moment ago, there's always something new to talk about, you know, when it comes to it. And, you know, I do think, too, and I know we'll talk about this today, but, you know, when do some of these shutdowns end? And I'm reading an article just a moment ago before we were coming on air Basically talking about, you know, guys, it won't be the politicians that decide when this ends. It's going to be the people because they're just going to get fed up and start yep. doing their own thing anyways. And there's nothing the government can do when that happens.
1: Right. So true. Roger, how you holding up? You getting uh, Corona burnout yet? <laughs> well, yes, uh, but it's it's
2: definitely a need to know type of thing. And I concur with what John said. I mean, the idea that we and you too, Bob, we have to talk about this. And yet right. at the same time, we we want to keep things positive. You know, we want to keep things encouraging um, because there are some good things that are happening in the world. And, and we try to make sure we've got a couple of stories every day on the bottom line show, too, that are about something other than coronavirus because the world is still spinning. There are other things happening. There are court decisions being made. There are pieces of legislation, good and bad, that are being passed. I know it was interesting. We did a call in um, last week. We were talking about the stimulus, you know, money that was going to start happening this week, and yeah. asking, you know, how many of our pe- folks are getting it. No one called for that because they didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> they said, "Can we talk about something else?" They would call We, we I've, I did an interview with John Schlitt from Petra uh, during the yeah. National Religious Broadcasters Convention. I decided, hey, let's go ahead and put this thing on. It was the most popular thing we've aired in a month. You know, so I, it was really a good indication to me that people are saying, "Okay, need to know, absolutely," but. 24/7, like it is on the news channels. I mean, come on. At some point, there has to be a light at the end of the tunnel that is not an oncoming train. You know, when when is this going to happen? And I agree with John. I mean, there's going to come a point where uh, where the people are going to raise up, where the businesses are going to say, "Hey, look, you're killing us right now." Uh, the politicians, at least here in the People's Republic of California, Emperor uh, Gavin Newsom had a press conference yesterday where he was talking about his six-point plan for outlining this, and he's going to milk this COVID-19 for all it's worth. He's going to he will not stop until um and we'll talk about this later and t- hopefully I'd get a chance to drill down on what the points are but basically the overarching theme of his press conference was I have I'm in control we're going to make sure that every public sector job gets beefed up and enhanced and we wind up building more schools and hiring more prison guards and you're all going to pay for it and you're going to be okay with the California people because we don't want you to be scared of the COVID-19 bug I, they'll, they'll play this as long as it as long as we'll let them do it that's
1: why yeah i know and it's like and and neil i mean i'm kind of curious how you're handling this and and with your listeners too there neil boron live in buffalo new york i mean you got uh you got the burnout factor people are like okay oh my goodness i need some non-corona i've been calling corona free time on my show uh here and there okay but at the same time uh not to talk too much inside baseball but you know the p1s that are with us all day long you know okay fine they need a break but i think to myself uh what about the people that are just tuning in for a little bit. They happen to tune in, and here I am talking about something completely unrelated to coronavirus, and they're like, "Wow, really? This guy's disconnected from what's going on." You know, so it's mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you draw that balance between this is the elephant in the room, but people also need a breather.
4: Uh, I think a little bit of trial and error. I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, the, the truth is, we're all going through this. Everybody's yeah. affected by it, so it's there. It just sort of looms overhead. I, I think a lot of what we've tried to do is it's also focus on the the hopeful side, the positive side. Yesterday, for instance, for a couple of hours, uh, actually took phone calls in what we called life-changing lyrics. We've done it in the past. uh, Yeah. But said, basically, pick pick uh, one of the songs that you've kind of gravitated to during this time where a particular lyric spoke to you in a new way or the song itself was hopeful to you during this time and people got a chance to tell their story so we got you know to hear the human interest side of how God is speaking to hearts and encouraging yeah. people through the process so I mean it's like it's like dealing with the issue when you're not dealing with the issue because I've all but given up on trying to keep up with the numbers and stuff I mean the major news stations are telling us I mean New York recently here passed 10,000 deaths um, you can get that on local and national news you can get that kind of info so we're looking for other ways to talk about this because you know families are having to face um trials like they hadn't expected before some are homeschooling right. they, you know thought that they would be at work by now so i don't know um we're getting through it uh, but i i definitely am feeling the burnout myself and i think that in the end we all want life to return to some kind of normalcy
1: now neil that's uh, that's so true let's uh let's talk about First of all, the lockdown and the level of lockdown we are in this country, because at this point we're waiting to see, OK, when is the reopening going to begin? I don't know how you guys are in your states, in in Colorado, in California, in New York. Here in Michigan, our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, she's been making a lot of national news because the lockdown efforts here, they really are gestapo-esque i mean we're not allowed to visit family we can't visit our our uh kids our grandkids we can't uh go to the store and buy something unless it's on the approved list so we can't
3: you need a revolt bob you need a revolt i'm telling
1: you we we can't it's incredible if you go to the stores here in michigan anywhere in the state of michigan and you walk into a walmart or whatever there, there's the whole lawn and garden section and it's cordoned off with yellow caution tape customers are not allowed to go in there and purchase anything in there the paint department the furniture department the seeds you can't buy vegetable seeds or flowers so people can't even work in their gardens because the governor has decided that's not an essential need for you and even if you have a, a second residence like here in michigan a lot of people go up north they have mm-hmm. a cottage up yeah. north okay yeah. no if you have a second residence you are not allowed to travel between residences even there is kind of a revolt going oh, on so here in michigan this is so crazy pop-
3: we talked about this yesterday, I had a constitutional you know expert on yesterday. Yeah. We actually talked about your state and, and literally what she's doing is totally unconstitutional. Why have, you know, Christian attorneys and others in your area not filed suit against her? And I'm wondering the same thing even here in Colorado because a lot of what we've got going on is literally unconstitutional. Why have Christian mm-hmm. attorneys it's a question I was gonna ask all of you this morning, well, you know, why haven't Christian attorneys taken up that torch and suing the the states for doing what they're doing? Because it's draconian and it's not constitutional. <sighs>
1: I, I think that's a good question. Quite frankly, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen the lawsuits yet. And the only thing I can assume is that maybe some attorneys feel like it would be bad PR because people might yep. look at them as though they are endangering yep. society by trying yep. to force people out that's of their all,
3: homes. Bob, you took the words out of my mouth. There's two reasons, I believe. You said one of them. The other is they're all still working.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Too. <laughs> very true. So, hey, yeah. they're like, hey well, it's not affecting me. What's the problem here? That's right. Uh, no, could if very they, well if, be. Know, and, and literally,
3: if they were all, and, and this is true, guys, because I think this is a lot of us playing interest, if they were at home having to pay all of their staff, their, you know, their associates, their paralegals, and so on. some of these firms are very big, by the way, if they were all going through what the average restaurant's having to go through, you're darn right they'd have had lawsuits by now.
1: Yeah, they absolutely would. No, uh, John, very true. And I, I just, it just, it seems like there is this question of constitutional liberties and freedoms. And, I, and my concern, gentlemen, is, and Roger, I want to get your take on this, especially there from the People's Republic of California. <laughs> is it? It does seem as though we're kind of setting the stage cultivating the ground for a socialist fascist government control of your lives that uh right now a lot of americans just are they're just accepting okay we're entering a show me your papers please kind of environment and if we accept this now and we allow the overreach then is this setting the stage for them maybe doing this in a whole bunch of other control our lives and take away our liberties type issues
2: we will give you a short answer because I think we have a break coming up, but then I'll expand yeah, on this yeah. on the other side of this. Well, you want to take the no. break first and then we'll come back? Yeah, you
1: know what? No, it's a great point. Uh, thank you. Because that's what happens. I suppose maybe they, well, I'm sorry, they don't allow us in Michigan to have watches or clocks. Okay. <laughs> that's another thing. So I'm running blind here, everybody. Uh, love we're going to continue the conversation uh,
5: next here on the Crawford Roundtable podcast. Be transformed by the word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
1: Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line out of Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. And Roger, out there in California, it does seem like the the kind of Gestapo tactics and overreach of some of these lockdown orders and, and the infringing on our freedoms and liberties. It does seem like it's going so far and to the point that it's cultivating the ground and setting a precedent so that we'll be conditioned to just obey whatever kind of fascist level restrictions Governments may put on us. The socialists have got to be thinking, I love seeing the ground being tilled and fertilized and prepared for what we'd like to do in controlling society in the future. I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a little bit nervous about how easily people are going along with much of this. Well, and to that
2: point, Bob, you've got a couple different tracks that you can follow. And I think the most important one to follow is the fact that you have a very charismatic governor here in California who has a super majority of Democrats in the state assembly and the state senate. And you've got a not an overwhelming majority. People think California is all blue, 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 blue. But if you look at the state, I mean, there are 58 counties, about 31 of them lean to the left and the rest of them lead center to the right. So California is much more evenly dispersed in that sense. Now, LA San Francisco the largest population centers yeah they're totally bleeding blue but you know to to your points about what's happening in Michigan and we've got similar restrictions here in California first order of business you've got an authoritarian government authoritarian governor who comes across and says I'm the I'm the last final word here then you've got 58 different counties who all have their own public health officials who are all giving conflicting reports then you've got the chief of police or the head of the sheriff's department or whoever is running and they're coming out with their own issues as well quite frankly they've created this confusion. And yet every time the governor speaks, his approval ratings, 86 percent in the state right now. <sighs> so what that says to me is people aren't as concerned about the message as they are about following the messenger. And that's dangerous. That that could be deadly in the state because basically he'll tell them anything. And the, they, the majority, will say that no one bothers to read an article. You know, the same people who are all Berkeley-educated and UCLA-educated and Stanford-educated are, oh, yeah, well, we've got these think tanks and this guy's a genius. In reality, he's basically just everything you just described in, in his six-point plan yesterday, uh, talking about how we're going to expand the testing to appropriately address the tracing and tracking of individuals. The tracing of individuals? Right. What the heck does that I mean? Know. Google and Apple. Yeah, but, but he puts it out there and people say, oh, yeah, well, because we have to – it's for individual health and it's for public safety are you kidding me i mean the the, the changes he wants to redraw floor plans in businesses large and small public and private to incorporate safe physical distancing Wait, so now all the school desks have to be six feet apart your restaurant has to have tables six feet apart one person in the kitchen instead of three that's what's happening and yet people watch his daily press conferences and go well i'm so glad he's our governor he's doing such a great job he's really on top of it i mean if you watch him and you just absorb him emotionally. Yeah, he's a great guy, according to most people. If you listen to what he's saying, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm living in an Orwellian nightmare right, right. now. And That's and right. no one seems right. to, and, and and you're going right. to get a brown, You're going to get a revolt at some point. I mean, I, I hope you do. I really hope we do.
1: John, I know you guys are to a certain extent seeing this in Colorado as as well. But uh, y- you do wonder how how do we stand up against this and not allow this to become some kind of precedent because the truth is yeah exactly what Roger's talking about we're seeing more and more and it is setting the stage for kind of totalitarian we're going to control every aspect of your life and by the way where does this end from here when they come out with a COVID-19 vaccine are we going to be ordered is the government going to order a you have to get the vaccine and then uh if you don't get the vaccine you, you won't have a card I, I was telling some people this and they thought i was over exaggerating but uh john i can honestly picture a thing where Uh, you have to prove that you have the vaccine to even be able to buy and sell, not to get all revelation on people, but uh, to to where you got to show your papers, you got to show your verification. If you don't have that, then you wouldn't be allowed to go to the movie theater. You got to show your ID and your immunization card for this. And if you don't have it, then you're not allowed to be a danger in public and society, all under the guise of public health. And then where does that go? Does it now go to the regular flu shot every year? Does it then go to vaccinating our kids nationwide? Does it then go to carbon emissions that you might be admitting from your own lawnmower? I mean, where does this end? That's what makes me nervous about this,
3: job. It doesn't. And to your point, Bob, that therein lies the problem. And while, and I've said this on air, I've said it to you guys, you know, while I was very much on board of, you know, Trump's 15 day, you know, let's get some things taken care of, get some things under control, make make sure people understand the seriousness of this particular, you know, virus and so on, which, by the way, I believe we've more than done that, 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 you know, that thing's been put to bed, that's done handled, it's time to get back to business in a, in probably a new way to make sure that we handle things correctly. And those that are the most vulnerable, you know, take care of things. But to your point, we are on a very, very slippery slope. The only positives that I've seen, though, lately, which, you know, I'm going to talk about the positives as well, guys, is the, the ruling that we just saw in Kentucky over what happened with the particular church down there that wanted to have the drive-in services and what the judge came back and ruled on. In fact, I read most of the ruling on air yesterday and if you look at the actual ruling and what he actually said you know there is light at the end of the tunnel because this judge basically said wait a minute kentucky you know you you guys can't do what you're doing here you there there is no reason why you can allow somebody to go to the you know walmart and liquor store but you can't have a drive-in service at church you guys are basically being you know to your point orwellian if you would the judge didn't say that but he mm-hmm. said some very interesting things that at least you know at least some of the things that we've done recently and by the way that was a trump appointee so if there's anything good coming out of what trump has done Done is the fact that we at least have a lot of judges now that I believe are on our side constitutionally. But at some point, there's got to be some pushback when it comes to the things that we're doing, Bob, or we're going to go down this slippery slope where, you know, I, I could even see a day, Bob, if we're not careful and if we allow it to happen, and hopefully we don't. But if we allow it to happen, you could very easily have to go from state to state and show your papers as you enter a state, which is nothing we ever want to get into. Right. I
1: know. But I'm telling you, I, I, see, that, uh, I see that coming. You know, I, 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 I'm I can't just,
3: disagree.
4: I'm listening with interest, obviously, to everything you guys are saying, and it's kind of interesting because you could play this out on both sides of the equation. Uh, by the way, uh, Matt Staver and Liberty Council, they've gotten involved, you know, in saying that uh, Rodney Howard Brown and his congregation has a right to meet, that, you know, constitutionally the government can't step in and tell churches what they have to do. So there have been a few, like, attorneys that have gotten involved, in, and, 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 uh, And uh, legal organizations that have gotten involved in these kind of questions. But then, like, I'm thinking of the state's rights issue, because this is kind of brewing in New York. And even though, Roger, we're not a nation state yet, not quite what you got in California, uh, you got Governor Cuomo lining up. And, of course, uh, Gavin Newsom in Colorado. There's going to be a clash of powers between them and the president regarding how soon we open up the economy. And so then it raises the question of, does the president have absolute power and he claims that he does in one sense, uh, but Cuomo said just the other day, and I'm paraphrasing, I think he said it yesterday, um, a global pandemic a crisis like this doesn't give you right to be king of the United States. So then, then on a constitutional basis, we have to look at the issue of states' rights versus the authority of the president and the federal government. And we're going to see a lot of constitutional clashes really, uh, related to religious freedom and american freedoms and the word surveillance uh, i think roger was talking about this earlier the word surveillance has come up in a number of contexts and then there's that whole privacy issue which is a constitutional thing as well south korea is tracking the movements of people using their smartphones and it's just like doing that here too you're
1: just not doing it as openly Right. right, Oh, I know. Which actually, Neil, to the point that you're making, and I know we got to take a, uh, another break here in, in just a second, but to the point you're making, that is something that a lot of people have been talking about this week. President Trump saying, you know, I have total authority, which in my opinion, that's bad verbiage for him to use. That's just not smart verbiage. But I understand the general context of what he's talking about there as far as the federal government plays safety net. If you have a governor being too reckless in one direction or another direction, there's a potential safety net there, especially during time of national emergency. So uh, you're right, Neil. I mean, there is going to be kind of a power struggle that we're going to see in a lot of areas of this discussion.
4: Yeah. And I think. But uh, the point is well taken that you guys raised earlier. I do believe that we're going to have to look at where all this goes down the road, because you can see the stage being set for a move towards a more socialistic system and uh, more controls. Uh, the whole concept, by the way, of you know showing your vaccination card at the movie theater is not that far-fetched, although I think eventually it's going to go past that. And I don't want to be all super... I, w- I don't want to go revelation on anyone either, uh, Bob, but... Um, one day, I think it's going to be easier to just have a chip in your hand or your forehead that will provide all the information needed. I know. And, you know, in one sense, that's a scary thought. And the other hand, I got to be honest and say that in, on the other hand, you know, may or not the Lord come quickly. Like,
2: Amen. This is, right. to me,
4: this is evidence that, that the Bible's real and that history yeah. is beginning to wind towards a conclusion and one day we're going to see Jesus again so I feel kind of encouraged about that I don't know
3: yeah you know and it, yeah but it, guys let me stop for just one second because this is kind of the way I believe things and maybe I'm wrong and if I'm wrong you guys can correct me and while everything you said Neil I, I you know I believe and, and I'm not arguing that point but isn't it our job as Christians though to continue to stave that off as long as possible so as many as possible can come to know him yeah uh,
4: yeah that's a that's a valid argument I would say yes and and that we ought to be hopeful that we can see Jesus later today if possible like i i like because all I'm arguing for is the opportunity we have as believers to be looking forward to the day that we see Jesus face to face and what there's going to be a lot of stuff that transpires you know in the meantime for that to happen but um it's it is ultimately where scripture leads us and you read the last chapter of revelation we win in the end so Um, I'm I'm not fearing that day is all I'm saying, and I look forward to it with hope and expectation. At the same time, I believe we need to do everything we can to win as many people as possible. So anyway, but I, I realize we need to take a break, so let's do that, and we'll move along here. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at narrowpathcom The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
4: Good to have you with us. Another edition of the National Crawford Roundtable. And of all things, we're talking about coronavirus. <laughs> uh, my fingers. name is... Yeah, my name's Neil Boron. Uh, Bob Duco is in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, John Rush in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh in Southern California. And I forgot where we were, guys, except I think we were talking about the end of the well, world. Was, yeah, and Neon, <laughs> one thing I just
3: you know, want to get you guys' you know, opinion on this, and I know, Bob, this is you know, some of what we wanted to talk about anyways, but... You know, we talk about, you know, the potential of the end is is near and, you know, and, and guys, I've been hearing that since I was about five. So, you know, it mm-hmm. is. You know, trust me. I, I know it, it is at some point. I do believe it's our job to try to save that off as long as we possibly can. And so the question then becomes, as we look at, you know, Christian businessmen and women and churches, and I, I posed this question yesterday to my audience, is at what point do churches, you know, whether they've got the approval from the state or not, when do churches start reassembling and, and opening up for services and doing it, of course, in a in a safe manner, making sure that as much as possible, keeping people safe while they're actually attending service and so on. But, you know, at what point do we have some, you know, uh, very nice, polite civil disobedience, if you would, that's coordinated so that it's not just one person being singled out. In other words, like like say here in, in the Denver, Colorado area, if every church in town decided to open up on Sunday, there's there's not enough authorities running around to actually put any stop to that whatsoever. So, if there's coordinated efforts on some of this, there's nothing the state's going to be able to do.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? That well, is true. I, 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 Yeah, go ahead, Neil.
4: No, I was just going to add that there are churches here in the Buffalo area, one in particular that I'm aware of, that is doing just exactly what you're saying. They're they're kind of doing it as lone rangers. There may be one or two others in our basic Western New York area, but 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 what is driving their thinking isn't that they want to be a public health threat. It's the it's the threat you know to our constitutional freedoms and to religious liberty. And if we just all comply so quickly, where does this lead? And uh, those are real thoughts. I, I definitely think we need to take them into consideration. At the same time. Public health matters, and our witness for Christ matters, and I don't know if there's a perfect answer to this. This is exactly why we need to be um, in prayer and seeking God's face, because we would love to just be handed a manual that says, "Here's the, you know, steps A, B, and C, and if you do these, God will be pleased, and you know, the world will be one for Christ." But uh, we. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and I think that there's some trial and error in getting on our knees before God and saying, Lord, am I hearing from you on this? Do we stand firm? Do we work together? What do we do right now? Right now, what's the th- the thing we're supposed to be doing? And it is not, there's no easy solutions. And I, last thing I'll say here, I also think that it's going to create the potential for division amongst families and churches you know, you see it uh with with families arguing over whether to bring mom or dad home from the nursing home or leave them there are they safer there should we bring them home and possibility for division among siblings and others about that kind of stuff and then Uh, You know, when you look at the church question, do we obey the government? Uh, Dr. Richard Land right now is saying yes. Um, But there's other prominent leaders, Rodney Howard Brown among them uh, with his church in Tampa saying, no, we we obey God rather than man. And um, I just think down the road, uh, the body of Christ is really going to need to get on its face before God so that we provide a united front that ultimately leads people towards Jesus as opposed to away from him.
2: Yeah. guys if I can interject here real quick I, I wanted about this whole issue of the church's meeting and everything because there are three churches here in the uh, California that have gotten into it as a matter of fact there was one church that uh, that actually is renting from another church and the main church that was renting to the other church was not holding services but the other church who was the renter said we want to do it so the first church had to change all the locks to keep the other church out which was kind of kind of hilarious wow. but it uh, happened in Central Valley um, wow. I think the the point here and we're coming up on the bottom of the, uh, the program so I don't want to go too long on this. But the, one of the key points will be, I think it's April 23rd, is the start of Ramadan. And it'll be very interesting to see how many mosques are closed, how many Muslims are told you can't hmm. practice your deeply and sincerely held religious beliefs. If that's the case, something tells me that's when Alliance Defending Freedom, First Liberty, uh, Thomas More Society, everybody is going to start jumping in and saying, hey, wait a minute. You're, you're not equally applying the shutdown now. What gives? And trust me, Bob, do you want to tell me that all the uh, Muslim population in Michigan
1: are going to stay home? from Robin and huh? I? I don't think that they are. I don't think they are at all. It, it seems to me though, when, when trying to figure out what the churches should do, the, obviously we're not gonna base our decisions on what the Muslim community does, certainly, but it does seem, to Neil's point, there is the issue of being a good witness to our neighbor, and it seems like if businesses are closed down, restaurants are closed down, they're not allowed to be open, but the church on the corner is opening up, then we end up getting the stink eye from the people in the community who then aren't going to be receptive to what we have to say when this whole thing is over. So it does mm-hmm. seem like we have to uh, subject ourselves to the same restrictions and guidelines that our community is being subjected to, which is why, that you know, that judge in Kentucky was absolutely right because uh, that was singling out churches in a way that was inappropriate. But I got to tell you, when we start seeing restaurants opening up, if restaurants are open and some movie theaters are opening up, even if they say, okay, well, every other seat or whatever, uh, to me, if you have public venues that are now starting to open, then I believe that the churches are on absolutely safe ground, not only legally, but uh, societally, to say, mm-hmm. we are joining this effort, and we're going to open up too, and I don't see any reason why we should. And maybe encourage people, hey, you know, sit up six feet apart if possible or whatever, to try to do some of that stuff. But uh, there's a lot more about this that we want to talk about in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we would encourage you folks, if you want to listen to the second half. You can do it online. You can go to Apple Podcasts, which, by the way, uh, give us a five-star review. We'd love to take it. Uh, Or Stitcher. Tune in. You can also listen at Crawford.live for the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
0: This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production
1: continuing the second half of this national crawford roundtable with myself bob duco bob duco show out of detroit john rush rush to reason out of denver neil boron neil boron live out of buffalo new york roger marsh the bottom line out of the people's republic of california and we're talking of course about all things <laughs> coronavirus where we stand uh at this point point. and so there's some other things about this gentleman that that i'd like to uh to talk about and one of them is I know this is a really controversial issue, but I'm curious to get you guys' take on this. There's been discussion about whether herd immunity would be a better approach to have taken uh, in this instead of the mitigation effort. Uh, And interestingly enough, it's not just people obscure in their basements blogging, hey, we need to do herd immunity. No, there was a paper published yesterday in the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons that declared exactly the same same thing, that we are making a mistake, that the mitigation effort is actually going to cost more lives in the long run than herd immunity would cost overall. And I want to throw out just kind of my take on this and then let's throw it around the round table and talk about this okay Uh, my take is this that uh, with herd immunity i certainly none of us want more lives to be lost but the the concern is that by mitigating this and taking the younger healthier people that overwhelmingly would get coronavirus get over it quickly and then have immunity going forward those younger people are no longer a danger or threat to grandma and grandpa however when we lock them in their homes and we don't allow them to go out and get coronavirus if you will then what happens is let's let's take this winter this fall this winter what are we going to do this fall and winter are we going to close everything down again or are we just going to say, senior citizens, be careful, you should stay in your home, don't go to Walmart in public, uh, be extra careful, careful and diligent and other things, but let's leave the restaurants open, the theaters open, let's still go ahead and function in life. If we do that this winter, then aren't we kind of admitting that we're doing a herd immunity mentality and all the young people right now that are being sequestered, are still going to be eligible to catch it this winter. But now, once again, asymptomatically, they're going to go visit grandma and give it to grandma. And now she's a danger and a threat. Whereas if we would have just let those young people get it now, they're over with. This winter, they wouldn't have to worry about giving it to grandma or grandpa. So it seems as though there is a fair argument to suggest, let it spread right now. Take our mitigation efforts with those that are vulnerable, underlying health conditions, senior citizens. Let's let's mitigate with them. Let's sequester them for a few weeks. Let's let enough Americans that are younger and healthier get it so they've got immunity. So we don't have to worry about deciding, do we shut everything down this fall and winter? And are we going to just stretch out the mitigation effort year after year after year after year until eventually we get herd immunity Anyway, that's what the article in the Association of uh, Physicians and Surgeons, they said that coronavirus will be ended ultimately by herd immunity. The question is, is that going to happen after several years and many more deaths? Or should that happen in a quick rip the bandaid off in one season? And that's kind of what they're suggesting. I'd love to throw that out on the table for you guys.
3: Bob, I I think what you're saying is is very true. And I... uh uh, you know, we interviewed or trying to interview Dr. Shiva, which I know you guys have seen a, a you know video running around, which, by the way, Facebook takes down because they claim it's not true. But it's saying a lot of the same things, Bob, that you're even talking about. And I think what a lot of other, you know, prominent individuals are talking about that, uh, you know, that, yeah, there, there is a, a validity to what you're saying. Now, you know, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier in the podcast. You know, was I behind? you know, President Trump's 15 day, you know, make sure that we're handling things correctly, that we've got all the right, you know, staffing at hospitals and got the right equipment in the right places in case there's a huge outbreak and so on and so forth, which by the way, we've done all uh, to me, all of that's done handled. You know, we are behind definitely even in New York City and places like that. We're behind that curve. We're done. Those things are handled. I think we can handle pretty much anything coming along now. So my feeling is let's get things open back up the way it's supposed to be, not do this, you know, six feet of separation in every restaurant and movie theater and everything else to let let things go back to normal. If we have a little bit of a spike, great. We'll figure it out. We'll handle it. But we get some of that herd immunity, Bob, you're talking about as we head back into fall and winter next year, which I'm afraid if we don't, we're going to be right back where we are right now.
1: Exactly. And, and that that's my point, is that what are we going to do this winter it's like nobody seems to want to talk about that the bottom line it's december and now if we're going to do the same thing if we're going to try to keep not just the elderly and the those with underlying conditions but if we're going to try to keep everybody from getting it then don't we have to shut everything down again and now it won't be from the middle of march until may it's going to be december and january and february and then march and april and may are we really going to do that if we're not then why in the world don't we just open everything up right now and tell the senior citizens and those that are vulnerable to stay sequestered but not everybody else? It seems like, uh, Roger, unless I'm missing something here, we're going to have to face this decision this fall. And I have a feeling we're going to start questioning whether we really took the right approach by not doing the herd immunity right away.
2: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that the, it, it's so I- interesting to hear progressives talking out of both sides of their mouths, because one of Gavin Newsom's six points in yesterday's press conference was to continue to protect, I'm quoting him here, continue to protect the most vulnerable populations in the state of California from infection and spread, primarily seniors the homeless and people with immune deficiencies. If you did that and said, okay, these are the people who have to shelter at home. These are the people who need to wear masks. These are the people who are most at risk and let everybody else go about their lives. Then I don't think you have a problem, but the problem progressives have is that everybody has to participate. Remember the whole idea that, you know, we all get along and everybody can just live and love and just be whoever they are. Well, in a progressive state, we're seeing right now, progressives have this mindset that everybody has to line up with what they want first and foremost. So in California, if the population of people who are homeless have immune deficiencies and senior citizens let's say it's seven million people and there's 40 million people in the state then california has no trouble punishing the other 33 million because we want to stop the spread like we can actually stop the spread flatten the curve that type of stuff okay maybe for a week or two but this is going to go on for 18 months the way these guys are projecting it right here and so i i you know we we're we're all parents yeah we remember those days when our kids were younger hey so and so's kid has chicken pox great you're all playing at Billy's house. You know, I mean, that that kind of mentality was because we knew how to handle it, right? I think there's the fear of the unknown, which the left is capitalizing on. And again, we don't want to be disrespectful to our governmental officials, but at some point, you have to have common sense. And they're the ones who keep saying, we're going to keep working with the academics and the research partners. We're going to make this about science and facts, and we're not going to make it about politics. And yet, everything's about politics with the left. So, I mean, there there has to be some kind of good, healthy balance. But you're right. At some point, someone's going to have to release the Kraken and see what happens to the culture,
1: Neil. What's your take on the herd immunity? There are a lot of people right now that are that say that's crazy, that's insane, that's that's a, a quackery to even suggest such a thing. And there, I'm seeing more and more people willing to, as we're doing right now, actually put this on the table with our outside voices and go, wait a minute here. This is not a crazy thing. This isn't just about let's put dollars over lives. Uh, this is about. How many people are going to die through this mitigation effort stretched out over several years until we eventually get the herd immunity that we could just knock out in one year?
4: Well, uh, and it's being considered because it's a plausible argument. It, it might not be popular, but it's plausible, and herd immunity obviously could end this virus uh, sooner or later, either way, but there's a couple things I just want to throw into the mix. For argument's sake, one is that there's still not a lot known about this virus. I mean, for one thing, it isn't clearly known whether or not you can get it twice. Um, I think that matters. Uh, if you look at the Spanish flu of, you know, 1918, 1919-ish, uh, World War One time, uh, the first round was bad. The second one was horrific, like five times the number of people died when uh, when the second wave hit. And I think that there's a lot of fear and concern. What's the second wave of this going to look like? The first one was pretty bad, did uh, tremendous damage to individual people's lives, but also the economy, of course. And can we withstand, you know, uh, a second hit? Um, But the point is well taken. We've got to find a solution somehow. Uh, There's no vaccine yet that apparently could help in this process. And... um, and just a better understanding of exactly who can transmit it and, and why are some people asymptomatic? In fact, I was reading an article the other day about people referred to as supercarriers. They like they can infect a lot of people really quickly and they don't even know that they have uh, the virus. So I, I think that we need to understand a little bit more before everybody jumps on the herd immunity train. But But on the other hand, there is a point of no return for the economy, at which point we say, well, okay... <laughs> as many people survived as possible um, but we've got worldwide depression going on for the next 10 years right. and people are committing suicide and ending their lives or dying of starvation for other reasons related to that kind of depression or recession and so uh, it's again not an easy answer but I, I do see the wisdom in discussing it because we may it may need to come to that and mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be opposed if, if, if it comes to that, that that is the solution we all settle on I'm just not ready to jump on that bandwagon just yet.
1: Roger, I want to ask you about that, but I know we got to take a, a short break, but uh, let's in talking about the herd immunity part of this, and might it be more dangerous than uh, you know, like, like the quote unquote experts are saying regarding this, and would we have millions of people really die if we allowed a herd immunity approach to this, uh, Roger? I mean, I do want, like I say, I know we got to take a break, but I, I do wonder how accurate are these projections of potential deaths?
2: Yeah, those are the, the numbers don't lie. It just depends on who's reporting the numbers, I guess. So let's take a break and yeah. we can dive into this a little bit more on the other side of this break as this edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast continues.
5: Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef at ltw.org slash listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
2: Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast along with Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Neil Boron, host of Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado, a great station, KLZ. Uh, I'm Roger Marsh with The Bottom Line Show, uh, headquartered in Southern California and broadcasting all up and down the People's Republic of California as we talk about coronavirus fatigue, uh, the facts, the figures, and, and the herd immunity argument. And I, Bob, you're absolutely right. I think one of the questions and the most dangerous thing that we have to look at right now in that case is who's telling us the truth and who's not. Neil, what was it like yesterday for you in New York to find out that the 6300 deaths that were attributed to coronavirus was actually 10,000 because they reclassified 3700 deaths as well that was probably coronavirus related too so hey look yeah. now we have 10,000 i mean when they play fast and loose with numbers like that that always makes me a little skeptical
4: oh well, yeah absolutely um but then again uh You have to ask the question because we could just say, anybody could argue right now, why didn't we just protect the elderly and the weak and the immune or the people with autoimmune diseases and just go on with life as normal? But I don't know, is anybody willing to say for sure, could any of us say for sure, that if the NHL had completed their season and the NBA and the NCAA tournaments had gone on? And all of the sport, now Major League Baseball would be in full swing, 50,000 people getting together at Yankee Stadium, riding subways together and coughing in each other's faces and passing beers down the aisle, you know, uh, hey, I'll take one of those and pass it down. that that we wouldn't be in a really bad place right now? I don't know. I, it seems to me that social distancing is what they're saying works. And at some point, we have to trust the health experts. That's why we call them health experts. So um, I, I'm not discounting what's being said. Please don't hear that. I just, I, there's a level of caution uh, in me that uh, is unwilling to just kind of jump on the bandwagon and say, hey, let's just pretend like
1: it's the regular flu. Because from what I can see, this is not the regular flu. Okay, let me, Neil. Let me respond, though, to, to what you're saying, and you're right. It's certainly not the the regular flu. Okay, but I, I'm just going to say it. I don't necessarily trust the quote unquote. Experts And I'm not trying to throw Dr. Fauci under the bus. I know he's like, uh, nobody dares uh, question him. He's been heralded as the ultimate Deep state guru. Fauci. Okay. Yeah. But I just want to remind everybody of something. Okay. If I could take just a little bit of the shine off of Dr. Fauci, this is the man I shared with my audience on the show earlier this week on my show, the the several quotes from him, not only in January, but even in February and even in March, where he was repeatedly saying, you know, the flu is really much more of a concern. That's the real uh, threat and danger here, not so much coronavirus. If you want to go on a cruise, go on a cruise. You know, it's okay. Go to the movie theaters. He was saying stuff like that in March, all right? So, He was clearly wrong, uh, according to what he's saying now. Just because they're experts doesn't mean they know everything. They changed their projections of deaths from 100 to 240,000 down to 60,000. It's liable to be lower than that. In the United Kingdom, the Imperial College of London, that's their main governmental body for modeling, uh, they modified their death projections from 500,000 down to 20,000 in one week's time and then you add to that the you know is dr fauci dr Burks are these medical scientists yes they are and i understand that but in all fairness they probably would also say uh There's no question whatsoever, you must vaccinate your kids uh, and uh, all the vaccines, and those of us that question vaccinations, they would say that we're conspiracy theory, wacky people. They would insist, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that autism has no connection to vaccines. Well, I'm sorry, I don't think you can declare that definitively, I don't know for sure it it might, it might not, but I don't think you can declare that definitively. You have global warming scientists, okay, these are the experts. With letters after their names, and they've been proven wrong decade after decade after decade with their projections. You got evolutionary scientists. I certainly don't accept their conclusions. So I just I don't think we should be looking at at Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and automatically taking what they say as gospel when they say if we did not mitigate and if we allowed public gatherings, then we'd be looking at millions of deaths. Because guess what? Sweden has a population of 10 million. That's the same as Michigan. Sweden didn't close down their public gatherings and their restaurants and everything else. And guess what? Sweden has less cases and less deaths than we do here in the state of Michigan. And so I I just, I'm questioning whether those projections of 2.2 million would really have happened. Might we have just seen it spread No worse, or not that much worse than what we're actually seeing right now with all of the lockdowns. I know, you know, how dare I suggest such a thing, but I think it's at least worth
5: examining.
3: Well, sure. I agree, Bob. Real quick, let's do this, guys. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. Keep talking. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org, and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk.
3: And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Bob, Neil, And, Roger, and, and Bob, I think a lot of what you just said is, is, you know, worth really looking at. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out a really good, um, uh, how should I say this, comparable story to what an epidemiologist is like in the rest of the real world. And I kind of said it like this the other day on air, and I don't know if I'm correct in my analogy, but an epidemiologist, the way I look at it is you've got mom and dad, they've got... You know, little Johnny, he's grown up, he finally learns how to ride a bike. And little Johnny, if dad had his way, you know, little Johnny would go out, ride his bike, no helmet, no pads, no nothing. You put him on the bike and say, go for it, kid. If you fall down, you're going to scrape your knee, but we'll figure it out. That's what dads typically do. Mom's, on the other hand, you know, they want little Johnny in a helmet and knee pads and shin guards and arms. And, and you know, you, basically they want him in a rubber, you know, she wants him in a, in a bubble wrap suit before they actually put her, you know, put him on the bicycle to go out and ride. I look at mom in that case as the epidemiologist and dad as being the rest of us. And not that either one of them are wrong. They're, they're, they both have very good intentions in what little Johnny's going to need to do to grow up. But they both take completely different approaches to how that should work in riding a bike.
1: You know, it's interesting you say epidemiologist. I uh, uh, One of the people that's been gaining a lot of attention with his articles and videos and such has been an epidemiologist, uh, Knut Vitalsky. Right. And uh, I had Knut on my show yesterday, and we were talking about this very issue. And he is pushing hard for the herd immunity thing that we talked about before. And he's saying uh, he's convinced that we would not be having millions of people dying. And he does cite things like Sweden. He does cite things like the states here in the United States that have not done stay-at-home orders. And we're not seeing a wider spread uh, coronavirus in those states as we are states like Michigan and California and New York and others, Colorado, those of us that are being locked down. So I, I just, I am suspicious that That the amount of people that have coronavirus right now would not be that much higher, maybe higher, but not in the stratosphere of millions if we had just not closed down all the restaurants and everything and we only applied these draconian principles to vulnerable people, vulnerable people, underlying health conditions, and uh, senior citizens. I, I am suspicious that that may be. The case, But we'll find out this fall because we're not going to close down all the businesses this fall and winter. We're not going to do six months of total lockdown this winter. So let's find out, are we going to end up with a million or two million deaths this winter? I don't believe we're going to. And I believe that's going to be the proof that we wouldn't have had it if we would have just left stuff open right now.
3: Yeah, no, okay, don't jump in. Yeah, no, I... Bob, I, I think you and I are, are pretty much in agreement. I, I And I think, just as a side note, guys, I want to get the rest of your opinions on this, but I really feel like at this point, uh, I don't think that Donald Trump regrets some of what he made in the 15 days. I do think he's looking back now and maybe regretting doing another 15 days on top of the initial 15, because I think what he's looking at is, wait a minute, guys, we've, you know, we've basically killed an entire country's economy that was booming in the matter of 30 days, and, you know, we've got a lot of work to do now to get us back out of this. And we're and we're entering into things which we haven't even talked about. We could maybe even next week, the financial implications of what's already happened over the 30 days, uh, which I get it, guys. It's not always about the economy, but it is. I mean, the economy affects a lot of things, i.e., you know, the suicide hotline uh, rate right now is up 800 percent. And we've only been into this thing for roughly about... Um, uh, three weeks or so now. So the reality is, yeah, the economy does matter. And I often wonder, you know, is, is is President Trump looking back and saying, wow, did we really overreact to this thing? And should I have done things maybe a little differently? And in hindsight's 2020. In his defense, you know, Bob, what you just said a moment ago, he's listening and Neil and, and Roger, he's listening to all these, quote unquote, experts that he's surrounded himself with. And, and keep in mind, you know, he's a, he's a business guy. I mean, he's like me. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't have enough scientific knowledge in my body to know who to listen to and who not to listen to most of the time. I have to do right. a ton of reading, rely on, you know, other people's opinions as to whether something is correct or not when it comes to that world, because I'm a business guy. I, I don't understand the epidemiology world, what's, you know, a, a, at all. I mean, I can understand data and numbers, and I can extrapolate those things pretty well. But like President Trump, I'm not an expert in that particular area. So he's relied on people around him like, dr burks dr fauci which i'm not a fan of fauci i'll just say that straight up right now i think he's been embedded in the deep state for a very very long time i think he's given some bad advice along these lines but i wonder does donald trump feel like president trump feel like he's maybe gone a little too far with some of this
1: i think he might what do you guys think well another
4: way to look at this is uh did he go too far and then uh, obviously he's uh, being pressed by the media to answer the question did he not go far enough it's it's kind of both i mean On the one hand, uh, and Bob, you gave a great description of this a few weeks ago when you went over the dates uh, and uh, how, uh, you know, this was being looked at by uh, the president and the White House, even while the impeachment hearings were going on and that uh, hard and fast decisions were being made and that some forward movement was happening. But, you know, there were times as well, like I think it was February uh, 26th or 27th, he called it fake news and, and, uh, you know, the next day said it's going to go away, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. I think on the one hand, he was trying to give confidence to the American people that this wasn't going to be a big deal. Uh, We on this program, uh, myself included, said, I think it's nothing more than the flu. And I think it's being overplayed by the media. I wanted to blame the media at that point. Bob, you said earlier on this program today uh, that... Clearly, it's not just the flu. There's something more to it. So, I think we're all there's a learning curve here, and it's which side do we want to look at? I mean, on the one hand, President Trump is being accused of not moving quickly enough. I think that's bogus. I think he's done a great deal, and I'm, I'm pleased with what he's done. I've also been fairly pleased with what um, Governor Cuomo's done in New York State. But to flip it around the other way and say, did he do way too much? Does he regret it? Well, then somebody might say, yeah, but he's also running for re-election. So is this really about the the benefit of the American people? Or is it about saving the economy so he can get re-elected? So I don't know. We can throw stones all day long, but a lot of it just falls back on speculation I'm not sure any of us know any of this stuff conclusively and I think we need to tread lightly to some degree so that we can kind of figure it out as we go and pray that God would give us direction and understanding throughout the process
1: sure well but I, I you know and I have to say though to President Trump's defense the the mainstream media is only focusing on Donald Trump's mitigating comments regarding coronavirus and they're hoping that we got all get amnesia to the fact that the president was merely repeating what Dr. Fauci was telling him because I just I want to just get on the record here uh, some some quotes that, and this is from Dr. Fauci, this is not President Trump, this is Dr. Fauci, but imagine if Trump said these words, they'd be looped endlessly on CNN. Dr. Fauci on, uh, first of all, in early, and mid-January, mid and late January, he was repeatedly saying, this is not dangerous, it's not a threat, don't worry about it. He was repeatedly saying that in January, but even if you move into February, USA Today reported on February 18th Dr. Fauci talked about uh, saying the danger for coronavirus in America is, his words, minuscule, and that people need to worry about the real present and danger and threat of the annual flu than about coronavirus. Now, that wasn't Trump, that was Dr. Fauci. On February 29th, Dr. Fauci was on NBC's Today Show. And he was asked about, uh, he was asked this question, what do you say to people that want to go to malls and movies and the gym? Should we be changing our habits? He said, quote, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. Actually encouraging people on the Today Show at the end of February, go to the malls, go to the movies, go to the gyms, don't change your habits. Now, if President Trump had said that, that would be looped endlessly, even March 9th. Dr. Fauci was talking to reporters at a White House briefing and said, quote, if you're a healthy young person, there's no reason. If you want to go on a cruise ship, go on a cruise ship. Okay. If Trump had said that from the podium, then they'd be going crazy. But Fauci said that with Trump standing next to him. And but but now it's all about here's what Dr. Here's what Trump has said regarding the mitigation. It is a learning curve. You're right. But. A lot of us are getting our information from people like Dr. Fauci, and that's one of the reasons why but, Trump has said the things he said.
4: But so is the president, and and he continues to get his information from Dr. Fauci. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make too grand of a statement here. But the point is, if, if Dr. Fauci was that far off in his comments only six weeks ago, basically <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. eight eight weeks ago, um, then why is he still? Why is he still standing in front of the camera report He apparently doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. And at one point, the president trusted him to be the chief medical officer on this whole thing.
3: So you you I just don't want him to him be and, the, the ultimate guru. He's him just him perceived. Is, is, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the, I know. In the political world, guys, right. you can't
2: make a change there is the problem. Agreed. Right. right. You can't. The messenger is as important, if not more, than the messenger. And, and, and just
3: throw this out, maybe kind of to close things off and you know, think about as we head into next week is, is Dr. Fauci being controlled by the same folks that now have Biden running on the Democrat side of the ticket? Oh, you're setting up a conspiracy theory <laughs> podcast, aren't we? <laughs>
2: you,
3: wonder? Uh,
1: you do wonder about that. You do wonder about that. I, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how Dr. Fauci is perceived six months from now Agreed. and even a year from now. I'm going to be very curious to see, because I'm telling you, there are going to be a lot of people this winter into December, January, February of uh, 2020, 2021, when we don't shut everything down and we are careful with senior citizens, but we allow everybody else to go to restaurants and theaters and even the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And we go, wait a minute here. We kept everybody, we kept all the young people from getting coronavirus back in the spring of 2020, so they should right. be getting it now. They are getting it now, but we're not seeing a million deaths. We're That's just right. not seeing it. It's still <laughs> flu numbers yeah. worth of deaths. Yeah. Did Dr. Fauci destroy our economy last fall uh, with his alarmism yeah, and, great and such? Question. So yeah. I, all right, I'm one last, feeling one
3: last tidbit for you guys, see if you yeah. you uh, agree with this. So. This has just now been reclassified that Epstein actually died of the coronavirus. Shut up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, you know what? Look, in New York, I mean, Neil, you know this. In New York, they just added 3,778 cases of coronavirus deaths that were not... Documented to be coronavirus. They're just like, well, the people had, they, they were coughing and it seemed like it was coronavirus. Right. And so, therefore, we're just going to call them coronavirus cases. Now, boom, we're over 10,000. Uh, so I do wonder about the coronavirus deaths yeah. themselves. Yeah. Are they inflated or not? I, you know, but it's, boy, it's a tough call. Well, it's how they got the school shootings numbers
2: up. I mean, they reclassified what constitutes a school shooting. If you yeah. drive past a school yeah. and you're yeah, involved true. in a shooting, true. if it's involved, if it, 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 mass shooting yep. now involves four people. You know, and yep. if one Both of those two police officers and one shooter, you know, all you need is a passerby walking by, and now that becomes a mass shooting. If they're anywhere near a school, now it becomes a mass shooting at a school, and all of a sudden, let's have gun control. I, I t- yeah. interesting tidbit, guys. That's I was just point. flipping through my my Facebook feed as we're looking at this here, and uh, you were talking about the kind of conspiratorial side of this whole, you know, Fauci working for the enemy and that type of stuff. Ever since Joe Biden. Biden. Biden is now the presumptive nominee. Bernie Sanders threw his support. Barack Obama threw his support. Elizabeth Warren. I have a good friend, a longtime friend from high school who's a musician. He lives in Washington State. He has a very good paying job, but apparently his AGI is enough for him to qualify for a stimulus. Remember how they said they're going to roll this thing out first with the most needy Americans? We are three days into the stimulus as we're recording this podcast. And he just posted on his Facebook page Hey, I'm feeling very stimulated this morning. I looked at my bank account. I'm like, wait what okay you're in the top end of who's going to get this stuff you live in a purple state that's trying to go blue and you're a big bernie sanders supporter don't tell me they don't know exactly enough about us to to play favorites here and and, and call favorite curry support i i have a feeling that we're going to see dr fauci for who he really is and maybe not six months probably six weeks
1: yeah, that's My a very days. good point. Well, I'll tell you what, here we are, another podcast uh, under our belt. And one of these weeks, maybe next week, maybe the week after, not yet, but we do have to have a podcast specifically devoted to the coronavirus conspiracy theories. The 5G uh, suggestion that 5G is at a minimum spreading it faster or at a maximum there's not even really a coronavirus it's just our bodies reacting to 5g emf yeah. poisoning so there's that yeah, question too. is it a chinese bioweapon or not is bill gates did he manufacture this thing so that uh, it forces mandatory vaccines and COVID 19 is just the first one and it spreads to all the others and there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there some of them crazy wacky some of them I don't know let's at least talk about it so that's coming up on a future podcast folks uh we thank everybody for tuning in as always, and John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, the bottom line under Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh, don't forget, everybody, uh, rate the podcast. we we'll really give us five stars, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Crawford.live, and more. Neil, Roger, John, great catching up with you as always. Good talking to you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bob. My you bet. We'll see everybody next week. God bless folks.
0: This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.